viewed overall in terms of these 10 operational features, the complementary model of board governance does not represent a revolutionary change in how directors function within their NPO, but it does result in a practical and logical evolution in the procedures followed by the board, and it enables directors to continue to meet their fiduciary and legal responsibilities, while at the same time providing them with broader opportunities to participate more effectively in the governance of their organization. Hi everyone, Tristan McIver here, Program Advisor with AMC NPO Solutions. Today on The Strategic Nonprofit, I have invited our founder and CEO, Tom Abbott. Hey, great to be back, Trista. Great to see you again, Tom. So we're going to be talking about how to operate under the complementary model of board governance. Can you give us a little recap um, of what that is? Yeah, I'll give you a quick overview of what the comp model is for those that maybe didn't hear some of the previous episodes. So in the complementary model of board governance, we actually make a very clear distinction between strategic leadership and operational management. So the board and the CEO each have specific responsibilities in together advancing the mission of the NPO, and their roles are in fact complementary to each other. So the board provides the overall leadership and strategic direction for the organization. It then will delegate authority and responsibility to the CEO. And this is done in a deliberate manner that will provide the CEO with a broad degree of freedom to exercise creativity and judgment to achieve the organization's strategic goals. The board ensures that the goals are clear. The parameters of the job and the approval points are established and the evaluation criteria are clearly articulated and mutually understood. So that, Trista, is a big picture overview of the complementary model of board governance. And as you mentioned in our previous podcast recording, I actually shared the 10 principles of complementary governance, which they can check out previous episodes. But today we're going to be talking about operating under the comp model and what that actually looks like. Perfect. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit more about uh, with the 10 principles, what that would look like operating under that? Yeah. So, you know, really when we talk about operating under the complementary model, what does the operations of the organization look like to those inside and outside the NPO, right? So there are 10 operational features that together will characterize the way an NPO conducts its business under the complementary model. So the first operating feature is that the board sets governing policies, the CEO implements them, both monitor organizational effectiveness. So um, this, this distinction is, is critical. So the complementary model helps to avoid this kind of turf war where back in the day people said that the board sets policy and the staff implements policy. Well, it's, it's not that simple, right? So as I mentioned, boards and CEOs get into far too many turf battles over policy creation. So the complementary model helps us sort this out by recognizing that there are in fact two fundamentally different types of policies. There are governance policies and administrative policies. So this realization just adds clarity to the role of the board and the CEO when it comes to policy development. So under the model, the board creates, discusses, and approves 
only governance policies, for example, uh, setting the criteria for categories of membership, standards of practice, ethics, etc. So, for example, a board of directors might establish a code of ethics that would apply to all members in the association, or on another occasion, a code of conduct for directors or staff. So these are examples of the things that the board would focus on, governance policies versus administrative policies. So that is uh, operating feature number one. Now the second operating feature kind of dives a little bit deeper here. The CEO establishes administrative policies. So the board does not, however, engage in discussions or make decisions related to administrative policies. For example, uh, policies related to office hours of operation, overtime, holiday entitlements, those would be established by the CEO. So now if there's minimum legislated standards, well then it's the responsibility of the CEO to determine if those minimum standards should be exceeded in the association and if so, to what degree. So any administrative matters, these are established by the CEO. The third operating uh, principle or operating feature is that the board approves the strategic plan. So one of the board's key responsibilities is to set the strategic direction for the organization. We talked about that in a previous podcast. And this role can only be fulfilled if the board is included in the actual strategic planning process. Now, how deeply involved the board will become in the creation of the strat plan will likely vary from one NPO to another. But the directors must always be participants in the process. It's even more essential that they have the final say on approving or rejecting the development um, of a strategic plan. And we can talk more about strat planning on, on a separate, uh, separate podcast. But let me just jump into the fourth and then we can take, you know, maybe... Um, uh, you know, take a, a short pause or something. Uh, the fourth is that the board approves the financial budget. So in the same way that the board approves a strategic plan, the board approves the annual financial budget. So after the strategic plans have been approved by the board of directors, it's the staff's role to determine what programs and activities the NPO will undertake to successfully implement the plan and how much the implementation phase will cost. And then having done so, it's the board's responsibility to review and approve the budget submitted by the CEO. So you can see right here, Trista, there's clear distinctions, clear lines, clear roles and responsibilities of what the board must do and what the CEO must do. Love it. I love it, especially um, the distinctions between mm. what's operational and what's a board responsibility. Exactly. What is what is strategic? What is governance versus what is operational administrative? Excellent. Good. So ready for the next principle or, re or sorry, ready for the next function? <laughs> okay, here we go. Um, so number five is an executive committee's mandate is limited. And I, I love this one. So many NPOs still believe that there's a need in their governance structure for an executive committee. For many years, it was assumed that with the increased ability of directors to communicate with one another and the growing use of virtual meetings, the need for an executive committee would decline. Well, that hasn't really happened. Now, the comp model accepts this reality, but does require that if an NPO chooses to have an executive committee, its mandate must be very clear and limited to specific tasks, all right? So that's operating feature number five. Let's go into number six. 
Typically, there are fewer committees and board meetings become shorter. Now that's in comparison with some other models where you have more of a working board. So under the traditional model of board governance, many board committees would find themselves actually engaged in administrative work, a working board. Well, under the complementary model, however, such work will more properly be done by the CEO committees reporting to the CEO. And we can talk more about that on another podcast episode. Now, this arrangement results in two significant benefits. First, there are fewer committees required to report on activities to the board of directors. Second, and as a consequence of that, board meetings become shorter. So this twofold reduction in the demand on volunteer time is a universally welcomed operational feature of the complementary model. So let me get into number, number seven. There are separate manuals for board members and staff. So the complementary model requires a clear differentiation between governance policies and administrative policies. I think you're all getting, getting the, the message here. And to make this happen, an NPO would be encouraged to create two distinct policy manuals. The first is a director's manual, which I touched on in a previous podcast, designed for members of the board. And it will, gen it will be generally consistent in its message and contents across the NPO spectrum. Now, the second, a staff manual, is a how-to manual designed for the staff of the NPO. Now, this may vary greatly in content and other aspects from one NPO to another. And we can talk about that in depth in another recording. Um, do you want me just to, to take us home with the, the, the last three? Well, I just wanted to say that uh, I really um, appreciate meetings that are that don't Shorter. run forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that that's a that's a great oh gosh. That's a great feature. <laughs> well, for sure. And we'll talk about this in more depth in another podcast recording, but really a lot of boards, a lot of organizations aren't aware of the option of having CEO working committees that can take some of the load off of volunteer directors. So again, more on, more on that in another uh, another episode. All right. Um so operating feature number 8 is that the chair develops the meeting agenda. So we've touched on previously about the, the role of the chair. Well, here's one of them. The chair develops the meeting agenda. So as with most models of governance, the complementary model assigns responsibility for developing the board meeting agenda to the chair. Now, this does not mean that the CEO cannot have input into crafting the agenda. However, it does mean that the chair and not the CEO as the authority and responsibility for deciding what will be discussed at the board meeting. At the meeting itself, consistent with common rules of order, all directors have an opportunity at the beginning of the meeting to add or to otherwise change the meeting agenda. But the chair develops that meeting agenda. Now, I think secretaries and treasurers are gonna love the final two operating features. So number nine, the secretary is not responsible for drafting the minutes. Okay, well, there are two attributes of minute taking that justify assigning this task to staff rather than to a director, or as was common under the traditional model, to the secretary of the organization. So here they are. First, there's nothing policy oriented about taking the minutes of board meetings. It's an important task, don't get me wrong, but it's not a policy development activity. 
Therefore, it's logical for the minutes to be taken by a staff person rather than having a director spend their board participation time on this operational task. And second, minute taking is a skill that's not equally possessed by everyone. As a consequence, the NPO is better served if a staff member is trained to fulfill this important role. The result will be for the board to have a consistent and higher standard of recording the business of the board of directors from one meeting to the next. And the 10th operating feature is that the treasurer is not responsible for presenting financial reports to the board of directors. So similarly, the preparation and presentation of financial reports is an important operational function. However, as with the taking of minutes, there's nothing policy oriented about the preparation and presentation of the actual financial reports. Consequently, it again makes sense for this administrative task to be completed by a staff person, not by the treasurer of the organization. You know, that's very interesting because I know a lot of boards uh, look for somebody who's an accountant or, a, you know, to, to be on, on uh, as one of the executive on the board, but that doesn't sound like it needs to be the case. Right. Exactly. Perfect. Excellent. So any final thoughts? Well, I would just say that, you know, viewed overall in terms of these 10 operational features, the complementary model of board governance does not represent a revolutionary change in how directors function within their NPO but it does result in a practical and logical evolution in the procedures followed by the board, and it enables directors to continue to meet their fiduciary and legal responsibilities, while at the same time providing them with broader opportunities to participate more effectively in the governance of their organization. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining us again on the Strategic Nonprofit Podcast. Hey, my pleasure.